I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, everyone. Our next guest is a player who is arguably one of the most underrated players in the WHL right now. He was selected 18th overall in the 2018 WHL Bantam Draft by the Kelowna Rockets. And this past season, he suited up for the Saskatoon Blades. Please welcome to the Western Centric Podcast. Trevor Wong. How are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing really good. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm just excited yeah, to be pl- on here. Pleasure is all ours. Um, we like to start things off with, uh, obviously, growing up. Um, so who was your favorite WHL team? Who did you follow? And who were some of your favorite players? Um, yeah, growing up, I mean, obviously, I'm from Vancouver. So, um, you know, I watched the, uh, the Giants as much as I can, you know, when they were at the uh, Pacific Coliseum. So uh, a little bit closer to my house than you know, where they are now. And um, honestly, I didn't, uh, you know, watch too, too many guys growing up, obviously guys like Lou Cheecher on the team and stuff like that. So um, pretty cool, like big names like that, but uh, not a specific player in head that, uh, you know, I kind of kept my eye out, but um, yeah, the Giants, obviously uh, just cause I'm from Vancouver. Yeah. Now, while the Giants are, they're such a draw, right? So it's like, <laughs> if you're really in Vancouver, you're definitely going to be, we're going to be following them for sure. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you just just going into your a little bit of your history here. I mean, you destroyed varsity hockey. I mean, looking at a your points, one hundred and forty one points in thirty games. I mean, that's just looking at those numbers. It's it's insane. Um, how was it playing in varsity of getting that many points in one season? Um, yeah, you know, it was a bit of a weird year that year. Um, you know, we were a brand new team to the uh, sports league, so we couldn't actually go in the prep uh, prep division, but. Um, you know, the varsity league was, uh, you know, definitely a, a different experience that I was uh, used to. I mean, um, the good thing is we got into the, all those big tournaments like, uh, you know, the John Reed, um, mm-hmm. we won the Met Hat and, and the Pat Quinn was a big one there. So, um, you know, luckily enough, we got to play in those big Bantam tournaments and stuff like that. But, um, you know, the, the, the league itself, the varsity league itself was um, not as strong as I'd like it. But, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of stuff I could work on. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense for sure. Um, so just transitioning into your WHL career a little bit here. So I, I learned something today that you were actually committed to the university of Denver. And so the Rockets took a swing on you and hoping you would decommit. And ultimately you did, what was the deciding factor for that? Um, yeah, you know, I think, uh, just getting by, drafted by Kelowna, you know, they're such a prestigious, you know, club and organization. And you see all these guys coming from Kelowna that go into the, uh, the NHL and, um, you know, before that, they, they won the uh, 2020 Men Cup bid. So that was a huge swing for me that kind of persuaded me. And um, obviously, I just wanted to play in, in the best league as soon as possible rather than BCHL. Nothing against BCHL. Obviously, it's a, it's a great league. And, um, but, you know, it was just a lot of things that uh, was attractive to me uh, to go to Kelowna and, and the WHL. So that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. You, of course, like the, you know, the history that they have with guys like Shea Weber and Tyler Myers and, you know, just number of players, obviously that have gone on to play in the NHL. Um, what was your welcome to the WHL moment? 
Um, you know, I played a few games when I was 15. I'd probably say um, just scoring my, my first goal at 15 was a pretty uh, pretty special moment mm. for me. And I was kind of, you know, welcome to the WHL when all the guys were, you know, they kind of joke around with you after the game. And, you know, I'm 15 and, and I scored a pretty big goal there versus Kamloops. So uh, I think that was a very special moment that I'll remember for a long time. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and your your first full season with the Rockets, you played under head coach uh, Adam Foote, who's like, I mean, veteran defenseman in the NHL, a longtime NHLer. Uh, what was it like having him as a as a coach, and like, what did he teach you? Yeah, pretty pretty good coach there himself. Uh, Footer was great to me. I mean, uh, like you said, obviously uh, a huge player in the NHL and a very successful career. So. Uh, you know, just just teaching me the things, uh, little parts of the game. You know, he he knows so much about the game. He's so knowledgeable. Um, and just like those little things you, you don't really um, get from just a regular coach, you know. Um, so him and also we had the assistant coach, Vernon Fiddler, who also mm. had a, you know, very successful career in the NHL. And, um, you know, not a, not a top scorer or anything, but I think uh, learning from Fids, you know, he played kind of that second third line center shut down defensive but also could put, put the puck in the net so um learning from those two were just uh you know huge for me as, as I was a young guy in the WHL and um just taking little things from them was was huge yeah and a side question you also played with Nolan but too uh, what was it like uh, playing with him yeah Nolan is a great guy he's um you know obviously the captain there when I was 16 and um he you know the one of the probably the best shot I've ever seen uh, with my own two eyes. So, um, and he was only what, 19 at that time and, and still to this day, probably the best shot I've ever seen. So um, wow. just learning, learning things from him was pretty cool and being under the leadership of him. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I remember when Adam Foote went in as head coach and I just remembered as a Blazers guy who, I mean, I love all the WHL, but I'm a Blazers guy at heart. Um, I just remember thinking, Oh boy, it's, we're in for, for some trouble here. Cause He's such a good coach and, you know, Stanley cup champion and just, you, you explained it really well there. I, I figured that that's how he would have coached just very fine details and really knows how to find a player's game. Um, so 2021 saw the bubble. You guys had to play in a bubble. What was it like dealing with that and going up against the same teams like all the time? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a little bit hard. I mean, um, the bubble obviously at the, you know, you can't do anything outside the rink and, mm -hmm you got to test every day or whatever it was. And, um, yeah. you know, playing against whatever the B BC division, you get, you really get to learn how guys play and <laughs> um, you really get to see how, how they work their systems and stuff. And so obviously it, it, it gets harder as you go on because, you know, they study our video that we study theirs, but uh, at the end of the day, we're both studying each other and you're just, it just gets harder because we learn each other's systems so much. So um, I would say as the bubble went on, uh, the, the games got tougher for sure. That's some cool insight. That's cool mm. to learn. Yeah. I, and I mean, in that year, I, you went undrafted. I mean, you were ranked on a number of lists and uh, I do rankings at the hockey writers and I had you in the third round and I was really surprised that you weren't, uh, you weren't selected, but uh, do you want to tell, maybe tell us, tell our listeners, uh, what was it like for you and uh, for a personal uh, standpoint? Um, because it clearly lit a fire under you. You got like, had a great season this year 42 points um how was it like from for you yeah obviously um you know it was it was tough you know not to see my my name go up but you know at the end of the day you can't do anything you know it's under control mm. and um you got to learn from that and kind of like you said you know use it to your advantage um 
I mean, at the end of the day, um, we can't, you know, make our decisions, you know, it's, a, it's other people. So, mm-hmm. you know, I tried to show, show whatever I had. And um, yeah, this year, you know, tough getting traded there at first, just getting used to it. But yeah, I kind of found my groove and uh, found my game. You kind of answered my question that I was going to ask you there. Did you welcome the trade? Like, I get, I get it was tough for sure. Um, but what was it like transitioning? Obviously, that was your first, uh, you know, part of business in hockey. Yeah, definitely. It was an eye opener. I didn't, uh, you know, no talks about getting traded or anything. Um, I didn't ask out. I love Kelowna a lot. Um, but yeah, it was definitely, you know, the first, I'd probably say 15 games was just, you got to get used to everything. You know, it's, it's a, literally a brand new start, new coaches, new systems, new teammates, new town, new city, everything, new division. Um, so you get to, I just had to adjust to it. I mean, it was a little tough at the start, but uh, like I said, I kind of found my groove there and um, found some linemates that I could play well with. And uh, yeah, I played well. Yeah, I'll say. I mean, you were on a tear there for about a month there. You racked up eight goals and nine assists, 17 points. Um, and then you got injured. Uh, which is very unfortunate. So do you want to maybe explain to our listeners what that was like for you to deal with that, not only physically, but mentally? Yeah, definitely hard. I mean, uh, I think that was probably one of the best stretch I've ever had in my career. Just, uh, I don't know how many games it was, maybe 13 or something. And um, yeah, it was the 13th game and I just kind of took a weird cross check uh, right to the kidney and um, lacerated my kidney actually. So um, Mm. I was out for a month and super tough mentally I was in the hospital for four days and um I actually went home just because I literally couldn't do anything Mm. so um definitely mentally hard just to be away from the team and away from the guys and um it sucked especially just because I was you know trending in the right direction and playing playing pretty well myself so um but at the end of the day like I said you can't control any of that stuff and I tried to just come back as strong as I could and um yeah I, I came back and Obviously a little tough, out of, out of shape a little bit, but I uh, found my groove a little bit at the end. At the end. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what was it like playing with Tristan Robbins and playing with just, you know, a number of those guys on Saskatoon? Um, as you mentioned there, you got, you got to suit up with some great line mates there, but what was it like playing with Robbins? As he looks like a guy who's projected to go to the NHL here in the future and, you know, play a bottom six type of role for San Jose. Yeah, Rob's, Rob's a great guy and... Um, a leader uh, himself and just the way he handled himself on and off the ice, you know, brings it every day and um, his skill. But uh, the thing that stands out to me the most is just his work ethic and stuff like that. So um, it was an honor to play with him and um, yeah, he's going to be a great player in the NHL. Yeah. And you, you also get, you get to play under a couple uh, former WHL players, Brennan Son- Sone and uh, Dan De Silva. Um, how has their leadership and experience played a role in how they coach, um, be in a coaching role rather than playing? Yeah, you know, those two are great guys to me, all our coaches. I mean, um, Sones and, and, and Doss, that was their first year in the WHL coaching, mm-hmm. actually. So um, they were learning themselves, too. And But, uh, you know, it, it's almost like they're veterans in the league. I mean, they, they know so much about the game already. And like you said, they both play in the WHL, so they know how the league works and mm-hmm kind of how you know the road travel and all that stuff so um they were great leaders and uh yeah I'm just excited to get back to them they're great guys and you know they you can go to them you know outside of hockey you mm-hmm. don't need you don't need to be uh talking about systems or anything you can just go to them about life you know family whatever it is that, that's great that's what you need more coaches like that for sure where you have that um you have that outreach and somebody to go and talk to 
Um, For sure. So you got your first taste of WHL playoffs this year. Uh, what was that atmosphere like in Saskatoon for that first playoff home game? What was it like for you? Were you nervous at all? Uh, no, I wouldn't say I was nervous. You know, you got to treat it like any other game. I mean, you know, there's more at stake, obviously, but, um, you know, you could just kind of feel it in the room, in the arena, in the game speed. It's just a little faster. Um, and, you know, we, we, we had a, a couple injuries in playoffs. Obviously, Della, our captain, was season-ending injury, and, and Robbie was hurt too. So um, we couldn't do – we couldn't uh, – you know, we had to fend for ourselves there. And, um, you know, we, we didn't want the – we didn't get the outcome we wanted, but, uh, you know, we battled. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you take that into next season, and you guys just push forward, obviously. Um, who keeps the locker room light? Who's, who's the biggest jokester, prankster around? Uh, you know, that's an easy question, actually. It's uh, Kyle Krankovic, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you guys heard of his name. Yep. Obviously, one of the premium players in this league, and um, I got to get close with Crank this year, and um, just such a good guy. But, um, yeah, he, he keeps the locker room light, but in a good way. He, you know, he's making jokes, but he's also – he wears an A for a reason, and he, he takes charge of the room. So, um, unbelievable player, but even better guy. Awesome. Uh, just a couple more questions here and then we'll let you go. You've been great for us. Uh, thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, do you have any Memorial cup predictions? You've been watching that. Um, I actually have a little bit. Um, I've only, I watched yesterday's game uh, when Edmonton played, but um, my prediction is Edmonton. Honestly, I'm not even right. being biased. I think uh, <laughs> they kind of got unlucky the first game there and yeah. um, they had a tight one yesterday, but they pulled it off. And I just think they, even with Gunther out, they have so much firepower still, and you know they're well coached and they follow their system so so well. So um, I hope they pull it off, and obviously they got uh, Kosa in the back end to help them out. So yeah, you, you guys you guys got to play against them uh, this season too, hey? Um, Cam, like the BC division didn't get to go and play any of these teams or anything like that. Uh, what was it like playing against Edmonton? Yeah, like I said, I think they're uh, you know you you look at their roster and you just see all the firepower they have, but. Yeah. Um, besides that point, you just look at how they're coached and how they follow their system so well. It's it's pretty unbelievable to watch them and play against them. is It's pretty tough. So, um, and even if you get past their whole team, you got to get through coach. That's so, yeah. um, super hard team to yeah. play against. And like I said, you gotta um, you 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 gotta watch their systems and how they play. It's it's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. And I mean, moving to the NHL, uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs, then in the final here. Um, you know, Colorado's up 3-1. What is your predictions for that? Uh, who wins the cup? Uh, I think at this <laughs> point, it's it's pretty much clear, but you never know. You know, Tampa Bay, two-time defending yeah. champ. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. I thought Tampa was going to pull it off yesterday. And I thought if they won yesterday, they were going to win, but obviously uh, a little unlucky, whatever controversial goal mm. there at the end. Yep. But, yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens. Obviously, Colorado's a great home team, and um i think colorado is gonna do it uh, that's a pretty solid prediction yeah. <laughs> i i thought yes i thought the same thing though like if tampa would have won last night i think i would have said tampa would have taken the, the cup but it's so oh, it's looking scary for them right now because that home atmosphere that the avalanche have is just unreal and yeah it'll be interesting um one last question for you if you could pick two current nhl players to play on a line with who would they be Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I think one player I really like to watch and uh, I try to take some 
things from his game is Braden Point. Mm. I think he's just such a good player, and obviously he's not a big guy, but just the way he plays and um, uses his body in, in different ways, um, I think he would be one. And then I guess pretty obvious choice, Connor McDavid. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but uh, I think it's a pretty obvious choice. But just the best player in the world, so uh, absolutely, I'd love to play with those yeah. Two guys. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's terrific choices. I uh, can't go wrong with former WHLer and Stanley Cup champion Braden Point. That's for sure. And Connor McDavid, <laughs> exactly. Connor McDavid. So exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much, man, for joining us today. Uh, we wish you all the luck next season and in your future and uh, hope to talk again soon. Thank you guys for having me. That was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, you bet, buddy. I think. Appreciate it. How's it going, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Western Centric. I am your host, Colton Davies. And on the other side of the screen for me is my co-host, Matthew Zader. Today, we're going to be talking about the first couple of games of the Memorial Cup. We'll give our thoughts and breakdowns of those. Uh, we're going to chat a little bit about the Oil Kings history at the Memorial Cup, take a little dive into uh, their history, what they were able to accomplish in the last decade type of deal. Um, the bus ride segment this week, well, it has a little bit to do, of course, with the Oil Kings. So we decided we'd take a look at Griffin Reinhardt. And then we have a former colleague of mine and a current colleague of Matthews, uh, Dayton Reimer from the Hockey Writers. He's going to pop in here in about an hour, and we're going to discuss uh, top 10 WHL players that are available at the draft. Uh, he recently wrote an article about that, and we figured we'd bring him on to get his thoughts and discuss. So first couple of games of the Memorial Cup, uh, before we hit record here, we were just chatting about how insane it's kind of been and how weird it's been. Um, definitely not going the way people have predicted, but I kind of predicted that St. John would do okay, because I had a feeling that they would kind of come out of that slump of you know getting swept in the first round and being the hosts you obviously have a lot to work for so they didn't take any time off in my opinion they just continued to you know grind the horse and get back at it and they come out with a 5-3 victory over Hamilton what are your thoughts on that well I was uh, I don't know if I talked about it on here but I, I know I talked on Prospect Corner in our Memorial Cup preview show that I you know, don't count out the St. John Sea Dogs because the thing is, is they're, they weren't a bad team. It's not like we're a horrible team. Um, yeah, they got kicked in the first uh, bit there, but, you know, they had some great players and there's some already shown that, um, you know, Philip Daou yeah. was a, an amazing, uh, over a hundred points, 115, I believe, uh, the regular season. He was their driver throughout their offense throughout the year. And, yep. you know, I'm, I'm not surprised he's already got three points. Uh, you know, it's and Ryan Francis, well, three points too, but you know, it, I don't, I'm not really surprised that they actually came and are playing well. I am surprised they beat Hamilton, um, because of sure. how good Hamilton, Hamilton was, and they won, of course, won the OHL championship. Um, so, I mean, I'm surprised with that, but I'm not surprised that they were competing. Um, and now they've won a game, which is amazing for them and being the host like you said they don't want to be embarrassed um to, you know in their home home ice so yeah it's it's amazing to see that them they actually are uh you know they have a win over over the two uh big name big teams that have been um that won their championships well absolutely and you know you look at what you look at the saint john team and i think we discussed it a little bit last week but um, Trevor Georgie, you know, he, he runs that team, uh, in St. John there, and he was on the Jeff Merrick show and discussed a little bit about how, 
um, just what they were able to do over the last, you know, five, six years and who they've been able to bring in. And we, we talked about it last week, but how they were able to bring in guys like Brady Burns and Jan Kuznetsov out of the NCAA, bring in Peter Reynolds. Um, and then you got guys like Ryan Francis that you mentioned and William DeFore, um, Philip Daoust, Jeremy Poirier, like the, the list goes on. It's a great team. Um, they're going to be very exciting to watch here throughout the rest of the Memorial Cup. Of course, they play the Oil Kings here in about, well, about 40 minutes. Um, so it, it's going to be exciting to see. And, you know, what Trevor Georgie has done, and like, you know, um, all credit to Jeff Merrick for this, but Georgie is a guy who's going to be, if not already, on NHL radars for future general manager. Mm-hmm. Just what he's been able to do and uh just the the atmosphere that they've created and everything it's it's exciting to see and uh it'll be very interesting to see if St. John can continue to battle because that Hamilton team is loaded and for them to get through that with a not just you know a squeak it was a five to three victory it, you know all hats off to them and they outshot them 36 to 20 oh so yeah and and well the thing is like like I said they're not a they're not a bad team I mean no it's not they like they faced... were out of the playoffs and, uh, and you know, they don't deserve to be here. And I misspoke. No. It was DeFore that has 116 points, not Dau. But, uh, you know, it's still, Dau still had 24 goals, uh, 47 yeah. points in, in the regular season. So, uh, you know, DeFore is one of the, this is the guy that had 116. I know someone probably fact-checked me if I didn't remember that. So, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's fun to take a little dive into the the queue here and the O a little bit more. You know, we don't we don't talk about them enough, obviously, um, being a Western Hockey League based podcast. But as we have mentioned before, it's something we do want to dive into maybe a little more next season. But it's a it's a lot to handle. You got you already have twenty two teams in the WHL that we're trying to cover, and of yeah. course, you know, <laughs> next season we want to do even more um, and just go even more in depth with the coverage and what we can provide everybody. So. Um, it, it's just a nice treat for us to be able to cover this right now and talk about it. Um, and on to the WHL though. Uh, what, what do you think about that oil Kings defeat? I mean, like Schwinnigan comes back. Yeah. Little, little comeback there. Two goals in the third, you know, Maverick Bork, Xavier oh. Borgo. I mean, those are guys you got to watch out for in the NHL. Well, and that's the thing, like the, the cataracts have some really good players. I mean, it's like you mentioned a couple of them there and they're going to, they're high end prospects for the respective teams. And, um, you know, I'm not surprised that they've come to play and, and been key parts of, it's not like, like they won the queue. I mean, (laughs) they were were exactly the QMJHL champions. So, um, you know, I'm not surprised that they're playing well against the oil Kings who are another powerhouse team. Um, you know, a comeback there and good for them. And, one guy I'm really, you know, Maverick Bork, Logan Morrison's the guy that I'm, and for Hamilton, just before we, before that, I forgot to mention yeah. him. And uh, Morrison's one of those guys. I'm, I'm hoping he gets drafted this year. Um, but uh, back to the cataracts, um, you know, Maverick Bork is, has been a guy I've liked since he got drafted. And uh, he's been, again, really good in the regular season. And now he's got, he's doing it in the Memorial Cup. So um, they're an impressive team. So I'm not surprised that they were able to come back against the oil Kings and uh, we'll see how it kind of plays out here as it, as the tournament moves on. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one guy to keep an eye on, um, obviously for 
prospects gurus and everybody out there I'm sure people already have his name down jordan tierney out mm-hmm. of the shawinigan cataracts 15 year old uh sorry not 15 year old 17 year old i was looking at the 2005 birthday for some other reason i said 15 <laughs> I, I just had the five mixed up there uh but 17 year old young kid uh playing his first full season in the queue here nine points in 16 games in the playoffs picked up a goal last night um definitely a kid to watch uh and then pierrick dubay if i said that name correctly he man he he's a truck out there he just mm. throws big hits he grinds hard he kind of reminds me of um i guess the french connection there would but cedric paquette kind of reminds mm. me a little bit about him um so yeah some guys to watch but the oil kings like from my standpoint like tyler horseman was was really good last night he was he was phenomenal last night obviously picking up a big goal um i texted a buddy last night about about you know, about horsemen. And I said, you know, there's always a guy who, and same with the world juniors, there's always a guy who is under the radar and he pops out, you know, you, you yeah. always have Matt Hallis Chuck could be a very prime example of a guy who just popped out of his shell in the world juniors and dominated Tyler horseman, I think is going to take over this Memorial cup and really make a name for himself. Yeah. I, and that, and that's a guy like I didn't have in my radar at all, uh, you know, and now, and now yeah. he's again, this is another one. Memorial cup is another tournament that puts guys on the map i mean it absolutely Uh, you look at um you look at who else is like available there out of um uh sorry out of edmonton and you have guys like you know younger guys obviously you know middle of the pack because they they have the top guys like genther's not playing obviously but they have got the top guys like you know the demick the williams um etc but you know jalen jalen lipen I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. Like this, this guy is really, really good. Like, where has he been? Like, I mean, like I, I obviously, you know, have paid attention, but he seems like a guy who could really be like a shot in the dark there. And I do believe he is, his rights are the Chicago Blackhawks. So just another guy to keep an eye on. Yeah. There's, and that's, and that's the thing, like in a short tournament like this, some of these guys can, can stand out. And uh, I mean, yeah, it's not something you go and say, well, we're going to draft him high up now, but um, they can get themselves on the radar for a later round pick. Right. So, yep. Well, and it, that's just the thing too. It's, you know, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the, the, you know, the oil Kings history here at the Memorial cup and a couple guys had, you know, a couple chances at the Memorial cup and whether or not these guys will get another chance at, at it is you know, the question here, um, there's a lot of questions going into what Edmonton does next season, which really relies on whether they get a number of these guys back, which they probably don't. Cause a lot of them are NHL bound or at least AHL bound at worst, but just to go back for a quick second, Jalen Lipen's a seventh round pick by the Blackhawks, 216th overall. Huh. And he had 64 points in 66 games this past year. So not bad. Um, so a little diamond in the rough there. Um, but did, what did you think of Kosa's performance? And before we get to Kosa, Jake neighbors, another guy who could be Memorial cup MVP. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I mean, it's early. I mean, it's only one game. I mean, we gotta, we gotta kind of be temperate, but the thing is, this is a short tournament. Um, you've got to come to play really quick. And, uh, like, I don't know. And that's the thing, like it was surprising of all the stuff that kind of 
I don't know. I, I don't know how to kind of gauge one game. I mean, that someone can have a, but we'll see. <laughs> I think, I, well, I think what, what happened and what went wrong for Edmonton was just the major penalty that they got when they got yeah. the boarding call and the game misconduct. And I think that just threw their entire game upside down for them. And, and granted, nobody had scored then, I don't believe. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Um, obviously, like you said, you can't, you, you can't really gauge too much of a, you know, a perspective here from one game. Um, but, you know, it's, it's going to be a battle. And I think, you know, it's going to be weird to see one of these teams get knocked out because even with St. John being that underdog, they've managed to already, you know, slot themselves up there with the top teams. Yeah. Well, like we talked about, um, you know, you're talking about McTavish who, you know, he had, no goals. I mean, no points, minus one, no shots on goal. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't look good. I mean, he's supposed to be no. like, I, I predicted that he was going to be the Royal Cup MVP. Right. So, yep. absolutely. <laughs> and, and he's a guy, right. Like a lot of people from the predictions that I have seen throughout Twitter land and anywhere else is an Edmonton Hamilton final. Yeah. And that seems to be it where you're going to have the Jake neighbors, which unfortunately it's not Dylan Genther because that would have made it a whole lot more interesting, obviously, but you're going to have, you know, Jake neighbors and you're going to have, you know, Caden Gooley go up against, you know, go up against Mason McTavish. And it's going to be, it's going to be really neat because if, if that obviously comes to fruition, you know, it's far-fetched, um, you got to get there first as, yeah. as you've mentioned, but you know, it's hard to not see Edmonton moving you know moving forward but after last night's game hey things things have changed yeah i mean and the, and the thing about with hamilton too it's like some of the guys although i mean i talked about logan morrison ryan winterton has been ridiculous and like the playoffs yep. and now he's got he had two goals and an assist in the game um yep. you know for the seattle crack and there must be just flying you know flying with this guy right now yeah absolutely and Luke Prokop, you know, he, he just back to the Oil Kings. He recorded a multi-point effort that night. Um, so he's been big for them, obviously. He's, you know, they're going to heavily rely on that, on Prokop and, and Gooley to do a lot of work on the blue line there. Yeah, and Prokop's been good. Again, another guy that's been good all year. And, of course, National Predators prospect who are really good at developing those types of guys. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, the, you know, the Memorial Cup, uh, continues obviously here in the next little bit so we'll have more predictions obviously no, sorry more breakdowns next week um i guess we'll have a full story because it's going to be ended by next week i do believe so yeah, by next episode should be the, over yeah. yeah oh wait no if we yeah would we could yeah it depends on when we record <laughs> yeah yeah so we'll see what happens i mean i think I think our prediction or the prediction of the Edmonton Hamilton final is probably it, but Hey, I wouldn't mind seeing St. John kind of take a little run at it. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. I, I like seeing, um, you know, the team that hosts it, um, having yeah. a chance to win it. So, yeah. Um, so let's move on and continue to talk about the Edmonton oil Kings, but let's flash back a decade ago to uh, well, yeah, a decade ago, exactly. 2011, 2012, when they won their first WHL championship and then went on to the Memorial Cup, which, fun fact, they played Shawinigan and St. John. <laughs> so yeah, that's that, that kind of, 
you know, they get to revisit this again. Um, they're very familiar with Schwinnigan. I think they've played them three times now in the Memorial Cup. Yeah. So taking a look back at that team, I mean, just for starters, Tristan Jari. Yeah. That, 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 so the, the 2011-2012 team was, it was an interesting one because they had a lot of top junior talent, I think is the way to put it. A lot of players are really good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, Mark Pissick, obviously, NHLer, Curtis Lazar has been up and down, I think. And, you know, Ashton Sautner hasn't really panned out for the Canucks. Mason Gertzen's kind of found his role with New Jersey by going out and scrapping every night. Mm-hmm. And Brandon Baddock, he, he's in the AHL. Um, but, you know, and Lauren Brassois, I guess that's another. Brassois was very key uh, for them as well there. Um but we're not going to talk about our bus ride guy because we're going to save that. <laughs> but he was on that team. Yeah. But you look at, you know, Michael St. Croix, and he had 105 points in 72 games. You look at TJ Foster with 76 points. I mean, it's like I mentioned, this was a good team for, for a junior team. They just unfortunately couldn't get it done at the, at the Memorial Cup that year. Yeah. And, and that's like – some of the names like we've rattled off, I mean, they're not big names and they were, they were good in junior. And that's, uh, it was interesting why they couldn't, um, you know, they win the WHL championship, but they don't win the, the Memorial cup, but well, and, and they went one and they went one and two in the Memorial yeah. cup round Robin. They didn't even make the, they didn't even make the playoffs quote unquote mm-hmm. for, for the Memorial cup. Right. Um, I mean, I mean, you, you look at those teams though, that they played against, and that London team yeah. had had our guy, Bo Horvat, of course. But then, I mean, oh, my God, they had Ali Mata. They had Jared Tenorti, Josh Anderson, Max, Max Domi. Domi. <laughs> yeah, Chris Tierney, Austin Watson. Anathaseu. That was a good two. Yeah, Anathaseu. Um, Michael Hauser was in it. Jake Patterson was a really solid junior goaltender. Um, yeah. you, you, just looking at that team, it's a solid team, but they got upset by by london or by, by london they are london they got upset by <laughs> shawinigan so it, you know it was a hard tournament for them that year i think and they were able to you know take that um experience and move on to the next year which they didn't make um the whl final. they didn't make the memorial cup the next year but in 2013-14 they were once again able to go to the memorial cup and I think this is when they were able to really figure themselves out because this was Jari's second time coming to a Memorial cup. He was a little more sound in his game. Um, he had, he had pretty much established himself as a, you know, a top goaltending prospect by then. Um, and then, you know, Dyson Mayo came in and they of course had, they had Griffin Reinhardt, of course. Um, but it's just, once again, a very solid junior team, uh, with low NHL talent, but I mean, they, they were successful in what they did. I mean, their playoff run was dominant. They had multiple guys who had 20 plus points in 20 games. So. Yeah. Like the guy that was on the two Henrik Samuelson, who's yep. uh, bounced around. I mean, he's never played in the NHL. He was AHL guy um, for a while. And, you know, and he, he was a guy that dominated really in the WHL and 95 points in his uh, final year. Uh, 80 in that the 2013-14 which would have been the Memorial Cup run um, yeah 
95 points. 95 wow. points. So, <laughs> yeah. And he is a former, you know, 27th overall pick by Phoenix. He yeah. never really was able to grasp the game here at the NHL level. Oh, he did play three um, games. Yeah. Yeah. He, he did catch that. himself with some games there with Arizona. Um, and then now he seems to be retired. Um, but he is, of course, is the son of uh, Ulf Samuelson. So former NHL as well. Um, but, you know, you look at that team. And I, I distinctly remember Samuelson because he was just, you know, he, he was like six foot three, 210 pounds. And he was just a bruiser out there. And, you know, he was that he had that big rig mentality, bouncer mentality. Just, you know, he crashed the net, played a hard game. And I mean, that's why he had 95 points and he, he had 60 60 assists so yeah and curtis lazar i mean too, so. <laughs> yeah yeah and he wasn't afraid to fight either and curtis <laughs> you know curtis lazar he lazar is a guy who um was an, he was very interesting because he was a very dominant junior player um you know he went 17th overall to ottawa in 2013 um but like for whatever reason he just hasn't been able to well i think what it is and I heard this on a radio show yesterday. They talked about certain players that play in junior and how they have to, um, they have to adapt at the NHL level because although they were prolific goal scorers or, you know, top end players in junior, um, the NHL is a different beast. And sometimes you have to adapt your game to a different role in order to keep a job. Right. Yeah. So Lazar, I think has understood that he wasn't going to get that top six minutes like he was getting in, in Edmonton. So given that time, you have to, you know, make your time count. And so he's kind of turned his game into like a grinder type style of role um, where I kind of see him like a Paul Byron, Ross Colton, Brandon Hagel, um, that, that type of guy. Yeah. I see that not too. To that, yeah. Not to that offensive potential because he did put up 16 <laughs> points in 70 games with Boston this year, but I think he can play that bottom six role effectively yeah and and that's the thing he hasn't turned into what everyone thought he was going to be um top six guy a first round talent he just hasn't panned out to that no but he's turned into a pretty good third fourth line guy and um you need it um you know if anyone's kind of listening around the canucks have been apparently interested in him um so and it's they talked to him the other day good. about him potentially signing with the Canucks. And of course, he said it would be great because he's from this area. And yeah, um, but from it's a salmon regions, But <laughs> and that's the thing. He's restri- he's a, he's a, he's he's doesn't have a cap hit right now. I stumbled my words there for like yeah, as you could tell. <laughs> but he doesn't have a cap hit right now. So he's gonna be a player that I think some teams will take a look at. And I hope the Canucks take a look at him. Um, you know, I wonder if a team like like Detroit would look at him. Um, you just got to think of some of those teams that are wanting to maybe push to contend, but you also have a guy who can, you know, be that what he's 27. So you have a bit of veteran experience, I guess you could say in the locker room as well. Um, it'll be interesting. You know, he of course won gold at the world juniors. He's a very decorated. He's got a very decorated resume. Mm-hmm. And Memorial I thought Cup. he was going to pan out to be more than what he has, but. And I say it, it all depends on what role you're given and what, um, what you develop as. And, you know, he hasn't been of that high flying guy that everyone thought he'd be, but I mean, he's still carved out a role. So that's, and that we've talked about that many times about uh, guys having to adjust their games. So, yep. Yep. And, you know, you look at guys like uh, Edgar's Kolda, who was a, you know, 
a import player for it for them you talk about import players um and i'll just use the term european players that's just a little probably better to use um you talk about them making an impact on Memorial cup teams and how, you know, you look at what Jakob Demick has done with Edmonton this year and how he's, you picked up an assist already the last night. Um, what, what do you think about that? In just the terms of always having, a, having a European or having a Russian player just on the roster and having that, you know, added talent. Well, it definitely is a, a big thing and I, I really like it. So it doesn't hurt. And that's, that's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah. And you look at, you know, they also had Mads Eller, who was Lars Eller's um, younger brother. So, you know, it's, it, it seems to be a very common theme, obviously, mm. because, you know, every team has to, I, oh, I don't think every team has to have two import players, but I know you have to have at least one, right? Mm -hmm. I can't, I, I can't recall. So, yeah. So, you know, you look at that and uh, another guy, of course, who has uh, NHL ties and, Kurt, I mean, we've talked about him uh, a few weeks back when he signed his extension, uh, Dyson Mayo. Yeah. So another guy there, of course, who, you know, was able to get that Memorial Cup victory. And here he is now playing for the Arizona Coyotes. And, you know, 12 points in 67 games this past year. He played the World Championships with uh, Team Canada just recently. Hey, good, congratulations to him. I mean, that's a good good run so far for him. Yeah, I've, I liked whatever I saw when he was, you know, in Arizona there. He's a pretty good, I think he's going to turn into a pretty good depth guy um, for, for the Coyotes when they, you know, looks like when they could contend with some of the talent that they've got. So um, I think he could definitely turn into that good energy third, fourth line um, player for them. Yeah. And, you know, you, you look at, um, who was the other guy here? I just wanted to quickly touch on from the Oil Kings run there. Um, let me find him. He had a Mitch Moraz. So mm. Mitch Moraz is another guy who was a feisty player by all means in the WHL. And, you know, he was another guy who had six, you know, in that run that they had, he had 63 points, 70 games, 19 points, 21 games in the playoffs, 156 penalty minutes that season. Um, he he was a guy who just, you know, played that grinder type of role. Kind of reminds me a little bit of uh Kamloops's Dalen Kiefler, just in the sense of how mm. you know he he had that offensive, you know, touch to his game, but he played with a you know a, an edge, obviously. Um, and you know, Moraz has found success over in the East Coast League there. Uh, with the Idaho Steelheads, where he recently served as an assistant captain. So uh, it it's just nice to, you know, go back and look at what these teams have been able to do, obviously, and, uh, you know, where, where they are now. And, um, you know, there's a few guys who have obviously put their names into history for the Oil Kings. Um, Griffin Reinhardt would be one of them. Um, Michael St. Croix, Curtis Lazar. So you Tristan Jari, of course, Lauren Brassois. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the, that's the other thing from the Memorial Cup winning teams. There's always going to be guys who put their names in the history books for that, for that team. And you look at the Kamloops uh, Blazers teams and how they're still talked about. And you look back at uh, the loaded Windsor Spitfires team oh. that won back in 09, 10, I think it was 09, 10 or 08, 09, whatever year it was when they had Ryan Ellis and they, had Taylor Hall and holy cow, like uh -huh. you, you think back about some of those teams and all those guys and everybody's remembered. 
And I think that's what's super cool about the Memorial Cup is it always, you know, it brings new memories and uh, shines a light on a very spectacular event. Yeah. And the Vancouver Giants um, Memorial Cup win, I always remember all their, those guys too. Um, yeah. You know, Lucic, Brule, Spencer Mahachek, Franson. Yep. Um, you know, Adam Corshane, I think was Corshane, on that team. Yeah. 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 Tristan Grant um Vic, i think yeah like mitch bartley there's a number of guys that you can like there's so many guys to think about um when you think of the memorial cup obviously and uh you can go back even farther and we could go on for hours about about <laughs> it um but it, it you know it's cool to look back at what the oil kings have been able to do and for them to be here for a third time i want to be correct on that but for them to be here in the memorial cup uh, for a third time in you know a decade is pretty remarkable that's so, pretty good yeah pretty good indeed um so let's talk about griffin reinhardt well yeah um griffin reinhardt we were looking um when you asked me who we should do for this next one i'm like well we should do an oil king um uh, because yeah. of what the only memorial cup we're talking about on this episode um Surprisingly, they haven't really produced a ton of NHL talent. Um, you know, I looked up all the other alumni and there's not a lot of big names on it. And, um, you know, when you look at guys, like we talked about a few of these other teams that have just produced ridiculous NHL talent, um, mm -hmm. the Oil Kings, that's going to change though. I mean, when you look yeah. at the guys they have on this team now, like Dylan Genther is probably gonna be the most um, successful of that franchise. Um, I mean, I have no doubt. And he's going to be a guy that you're going to look back in like five, 10 years. And you'd be like, this guy's like a, a superstar and the star. Yep. So the biggest star that they've produced. So um, we'll see, but yeah, Griffin Reinhardt, who was expected to be a similar, you know, a good top four guy. I mean, uh, drafted fourth overall in 2012 um, from North Vancouver. So, you know, from close by uh, where, where, uh, where I, where I live here and, um north van a six foot three 216 really good size so um and in his draft year 12 goals 36 points and 58 games for the oil kings um nothing to you know nothing bad about that and um drafted fourth overall maybe a little high i mean even for the production he had but uh you know and then he moved on um you know didn't play for the island well he did he did play for the islanders eight games um had a goal had an assist in those eight games played a playoff game as well uh, for them, uh, but then got traded in a big, big deal with the Edmonton Oilers um, for a first round pick, second round pick in 2015. Um, you know, looking at Edmonton Oilers fans, you know, they traded this first round pick um, and the Islanders turned around and drafted Matthew Barzell with that. So <laughs> yikes, yikes indeed so i mean the thing is and then and then he was claiming the expansion draft by the golden knights um in the expansion draft there never played a game um for the golden knights no he didn't um he played for the oilers 29 games um had that's his most in the nhl and i mean basically i mean i don't like saying this about players but he was a bust i mean as a first round pick fourth overall he didn't really pan out um played for the last time in professional league in north america here it was the chicago wolves 2018-19 had four goals 16 points in 75 games there and then moved over to the khl with kunlin red star in 2019-20 and then went to the dell uh, german league in 2020-21 20, 
And then uh, looks like he's finished off. Well, he may not finish his career yet because he did play last season, moved to another league, the EIHL with the Belfast Giants. And um, had a pretty good season. Three goals, 32 points. Yeah, um, he just won the championship. Europe, so. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah, he just won the EIHL championship as well with Belfast. So he yeah. has another another trophy to his resume. Um, you know, funny, you go back and look at uh, prospect draft stuff that was written for him and people compared him to a hybrid of uh, Shea Weber and Chris Pronger. Yeah, I read that too. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, you talk about a guy who was, you know, physically dominating in the WHL, but, you know, had the leadership abilities because he captained the Oil Kings for two years, captained them during their Memorial Cup run. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate to say the word bust, but that's kind of what has, you know, worked out. And, you know, there may have been things behind the scenes and that's always, that's why a lot of people refrain from using that word, obviously. Yeah. Um, Cause you never know what could have happened. Um, you, you take a look at the Kyle beach story, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there could have been a number of things, but you know, a guy who was taken fourth overall um, and, you know, like you said, what draft was that 2012? Yeah. You know, he had 36 points in 58 games. Um, which is which is have decent production for 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 a, for a defenseman there, but to come in that was his third full season, um, or I guess second full season too, my bad. Um, but yeah, I guess just he never really was able to you know grasp onto the NHL role here, and it'll be interesting to see if he can if he swings back at all. You know, some guys do eventually make the return. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. see it. I mean- He's 28 years old. Now he's getting to, I mean, he's not over 30. Um, He could end up back over here. I mean, I don't know. He's jumped around three leagues now in Europe. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) And, you know, you look at his brother, Max, Max retired, you know, former WHL guy played with the Kootenai ice. He, he was dominant for Kootenai. He had a couple 70 point seasons. Um, He was never really able to find his ground in the American hockey league or with the Calgary flames where he was drafted by. So, you know, the only one really left in the NHL is Sam. Yeah. So, obviously, all these guys are the, are the sons of Paul Reinhardt, uh, you know, longtime NHLer. Um, but, you know, for Griffin, it's, you know, he's had a successful European tour, it seems. You know, in the Dell, he had 11 points, 22 games. And then, of course, this year, um, like you mentioned there, with 32 points. Um, you know, I've heard Belfast is a great organization and that that whole, you know, elite ice hockey league and the champions league over there in um over there in england is a lot of fun hmm. there's so, a plus 31 it, too so yeah not <laughs> bad and another former whl player on his uh team there in belfast tyler soy former uh victoria royal hmm. there you go just to add that and jackson whistle former Kelowna rocket he's a goaltender oh i remember him <laughs> yeah but, you know, you look at what Reinhardt obviously was able to do and, you know, even do the Islanders, reg- like, I wonder if the Islanders regret making the trade. Like, you got to wonder what the trade, why the trade happened for, 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 for one reason. Um, but, like, do, do they regret it? Because even when he was with Bridgeport and he had 22 points in 59 games, it's not bad for a guy who's in his first year of pro hockey. Right. Yeah. Considering the minutes he would have played the ice time he would have had um, granted he was minus 13. Um, I don't know. 
it's one of those one of those things that you'd you'd have to go back, I guess, and question the Islanders' management about about what what it was. I don't know. And the thing is about development too. Like, did they just not develop him properly? I mean, not just the Islanders, but the Oilers too. Like, um, yep. I don't know. And that's and it's hard to look back again. We're blessed with hindsight and stuff, right? When you look back at it. But Morgan Riley was drafted right after him. Uh, Moose Jaw Warriors uh, in the WHL and. Well, that whole 2012 draft, though, is just kind of a crapshoot, really. Like, like Lindholm, Matt Dumba, two defensemen drafted right after. Actually, there was a string of defensemen drafted right after that. Um, a lot of WHLers, too. Um, Matt Marons. Dumba, Red Deer Rebels, Derek Pouliot, yep. Portland Winterhawks. Yep. Um, so, I mean, a string of defensemen were drafted in that, right, starting from Reinhardt. Like Ryan Murray. Lindholm, Dumba, Pouliot, Truba, uh, Slater Cuckoo. <laughs> So. Yeah, I remember that 2012 draft because I remember all the defensemen going in that first round and how a number of defensemen hadn't been taken like in the top 10 um, like that many times and however many years it was, obviously. Uh, you look at obviously Reinhardt, Murray, Riley, Dumba and Pouliot and really Dumba and uh, yeah, Murray's, you know, Murray's battled, um, but he's been successful. I mean, uh, obviously right now he's with Colorado. Um, I don't think he's playing. No, he's um, he's an extra defenseman. Yeah, yeah. That draft is um, also Yakupov's draft too. It's like this whole bit of it. Like, <laughs> it's it's an interesting draft to look back on that 2012 one. But but yeah, you look obviously in the first round, and uh, you take a look at you know who's played and Griffin Reinhardt with you know three seasons and 37 games is a bit bit painful to look at when you look at who's right after him with Morgan Riley, Hampus Lindholm and Matt Dumba and Jacob Truba at number nine. Yeah. So, so <laughs> number of guys to kind of take a look at there, obviously um, it's, I don't know, like, I guess that's, that's kind of what you're, you're right though, with the fact that you're you were blessed with hindsight and you just kind of move forward, obviously. I mean, what can you do? Yeah, and I, I'm trying to think. This would be an interesting one to look back and say who should have been first overall in this one, like Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley. Well, yeah. no. Well, eh. Andre Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky. Yes, yes. He was 19th overall in that one. Yeah, he should have been number that, one. Yeah, he definitely first overall. Because <laughs> and that, and there you go. So speaking, just to continue on with the whole Oil Kings thing, there. There's there's Henrik Samuelsson's draft. Yeah, he was Mitch taken Mraz 27th too, overall, and then Mitch Mraz, 32nd overall. So um, the Memorial Cup, and then we'll just say it again, you you get your name out there. So, yeah. And it's not that Samuelson had a bad year, and then not that Mraz had bad years, but... There's a lot of WHL he's... flavor in this 2012, just looking at it. Um, quite a Sutter. few WHLers drafted in that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lucas Sutter, Colton Sissons, Dalton Thrower... Chris Tierney, I think. Oh no, I don't think Tierney played in the WHL. Damon Severson, Jordan yeah. Martinuk, Tim Bozon, uh, Jujar Kara. Yeah, Tim Bozon. He's another one. He's a guy like just to go off topic here. He's a guy that I thought would have actually been okay in the in the NHL at the NHL level. You know, he was a third round pick by Montreal in 2012. Um, but yeah, Tim Bozon's a guy that I. 
uh, you know, I really thought would have panned out as well because, you know, he was the third round pick by Montreal there in 2012. Mm-hmm. And then he had, um, you know, in his first year in the WHL after coming out of Luguano there in Switzerland, he had 71 points in 71 games, followed up by 91 points in 69 games. Like, I, I just thought that there was, you know, some potential there. And I think a lot of people actually kind of thought that there was something there with him. Um, and then he was dealt in 2014 because Camelops went, no we don't have a good team anymore. We're going to rebuild again for the 10th time in 10 years and decided they were going to trade him. So they traded him to Kootenai. He put up 62 points, 50 games, followed by 63 points, 57 games. But then just never, you look at his AHL numbers there in 2015, eight points in 41 games. So. Yeah. I, I, mean, I that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's draft is just, it's interesting. Like, <laughs> he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't a top end pick by any means. I just no. wanted to go off the off the rails here for a second and talk about him because he was a player who I had a, a lot of hopes for. And uh, you even go back and look at um, prospects and profiles and stuff written back then, and there was some there was some anticipation around him for sure. Yeah, it's interesting looking back at some like um, these draft. You know, looking at back at Neil Yakupov's uh, scouting report back then, like he was supposed to be really good. So <laughs> he, yeah, he's always going to be a puzzling one for sure. I think uh, there's a lot of regret with that. Uh, and, and rightfully so <laughs> there's a lot of regret. Um, Especially when Edmonton could have drafted Vasilevsky at that time, what was their goaltending? Like, see, we're going to go down a path here. I just wanted to question. But, but I think the thing is too, is like, but see, yeah. look at, would they have drafted Vasilevsky though? Like they would have probably taken Ryan Murray or Alex Galchenyuk. Like that, that's just yeah, how, yeah, that's how hindsight works, yeah, right? Because, it, yeah. <laughs> because Vasilevsky, although he was considered a first round pick and a highly uh, regarded first round pick, there was questions when he was going to get selected. And even when you go back, excuse me, and, and watch that draft, um, they talk about like the TSN panel talked about whether it was going to be Subban or Vasilevsky off the board first. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was Vasilevsky. Um, I think, yeah. Like, and, and, and we see, we just saw it this year too, with uh, Kosa and Wallstead with Detroit yeah. going a little bit off there and taking Kosa ahead of Wallstead. That'll be, that's going to see how be, that one. Yeah. That's going to be interesting to watch throughout because um, you know, I feel like I still feel like Wallstad is, is going to be the better goaltender, but we'll see. Um, Coast has been pretty good uh, in junior here, but I mean, you never you won't know until they make the NHL and and see how they deal with NHL shooters. This, yeah, exactly. And this Memorial Cup's really going to show a lot of what Kosa's made of. I think, um, in terms of when it comes down to the crunch, it comes down to uh, hard games that mean a lot Mm -hmm. um for him to have a 4.3 gaa in the first game not a good look no um for an elite level goaltender of what he's you know casted at but i think he bounces back uh but that's just the thing you have to uh who curtis mcelaney um talked about andre vasilevsky and how He's one of the toughest, ment- mentally tough. I got to word this right. But he's, you know, one of the toughest uh, minds in hockey. There we mm. go. That's probably the best way to word it. Um, because he doesn't let things bother him. So you talk about the 7 nothing victory. 
he wouldn't have thought about it the next day. Mm-hmm. But you think about guys who are younger, and that's just that's kind of the whole aspect of what I'm getting at here. When you're younger, those types of losses and those types of um, hardships on on you in your career take a big effect. And you just have to hope that Brad Lauer and the Oil Kings, you know, coaching staff are, you know, and, and his teammates are reminding Kosa that it's okay. That this is, you know, this is a team effort and that, that this is not on you. And, you know, we'll move forward. Um, Cause I think a lot of times goalies can get wrapped up in their mind and they can, you know, they, they stress and they panic and, you know, everything goes downhill. You take a look at the way Darcy Kemper reacted to getting pulled out of that game the other night with Tampa and, and, he was clearly distressed about it. So I, I think it's just, you, you take that with a grain of salt, but I think Kosa can really turn it around. And, um, but in high, in, you know, in the future, I'm excited to see the Wallstead and Kosa battle because I'm a big, big Wallstead guy as well, but I'm obviously a very big supporter of WHL alumni. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think both will be NHL starters. It'll just, be who will be the better nhl starter (laughs) and that's i think that's where yeah exactly and i think that's where like will kosa be like will kosa and wallstead be dependent on their team or will they be the backbone like will will they be the vasilevsky or or you know the shesterkin um it's exciting to see these up and coming goalies because it's not just, you know, there, there's a, you know, there's a pool of Russian goalies who are coming up obviously with, um, with Shesterkin and Kashetkov and Askarov, but you look even over at elsewhere around the world and there, there's a number, you know, with Wallstead, obviously, like we just talked about and then Kosa and, you know, you could throw in, I guess, who's another guy, Joel Blomqvist out of Pittsburgh there's some guys, you know, Teddy. Oh, no, I don't think he's drafted yet. He's this year, though. But another Swedish goalie to keep an eye on is Teddy Munther. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a number of goalies coming through, and I'm excited. Yeah, I like I like following goaltenders' development because, again, it, it does take a while. I mean, you got to have this have the patience to watch them. But, <laughs> well, and that's just it. You got to you got to be patient, obviously, and uh, you know, see what they're made up of and. Thomas Millich is another guy who could just, you know, come out of his shell as he has, but he could continue to um, develop into a starting goaltender. It's, you know, there's a lot, a lot of to, you know, unravel and uh, a lot of stuff to watch over the next few years for sure. Yeah. It's going to be fun to see. So we will take a little trip around the league here before we get Dayton on the show. Um, the Prince George Cougars have signed forward Lee Shergett that he was their ninth overall selection in the 2022 WHL draft. A little trade, couple trades, actually Portland has acquired forward Reed McKay from the Lethbridge hurricanes for a conditional pick in 2024. And the Canes also traded 2004-born defenseman Easton Kovacs to the Seattle Thunderbirds for a fifth-round pick in 2024 as well. Um, so a couple little trades there. I think. I wonder if this will be a busy off-season for the WHL, mm. considering the last two years have been kind of weird. I, I'm actually thinking that's going to be the case with all the leagues. Um, yeah, because because this is like 
probably the norm most normal off season that they're gonna have <laughs> yeah because because it's not like we'll have late starts in any leagues and everybody's going to be going yeah like i think i think that this is going to be a different off season for for everybody like i hope i was taught i was texting with a buddy and i hope that like there's chaos in the nhl like i hope oh, i hope there's I'm big a, trades i hope <laughs> I hope everything, because you remember in 2015 when uh, the Ryan Johansson deal happened, the PK Subban deal happened, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the Subban for Weber deal, obviously, is what I'm referring to. Um, and then, you know, Steven Stamkos resigned, and that all happened in like 20 minutes. It was just yeah. remarkable. Like, it was insane what had happened. Uh, so, and yeah, I, I hope some, yeah. what's that? And I said, now there's like those rumors of Pasternak moving, JT Miller. Uh, yeah. To bring cat like a cease. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there you go. There's a number of guys. Um, you know, Carolina's wanting to move Ethan Bear. Um, not the biggest name, but obviously a name that could be, you know, Canucks fans should wonder about him. Um Canucks need all the help they can on defense. <laughs> but so so he he'd be a great guy. But but you look at all the players who are available and uh you know, guys who need contracts, John Klingberg. Um yeah. he's gonna go to free agency more than likely, it Ch- seems Chikrin. Uh, Jacob Chikrin. Um ooh. It's exciting times. It's uh, going to be interesting. Um, you know, I wonder what happens there in terms of who gets, you know, traded. If it's all just going to be, you know, typical offseason bullshit where it's just all <laughs> he said, she said type crap and nothing ever ends up happening. But I hope on the draft floor, we get some, we get some deals. I think this is the most, the biggest chance of any year to me um, for movement. Yeah. Because like I say, this draft is, is not the, it's not 2023. Uh, it, it does have some good players all around. And I think people are like, well, I can move up and still get a good player, or move down and get still get a good player. So I think there's some potential for movement um, more so than there will be next year. I think. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, another guy to add to the trade little list here that we can, you know, trade bait, free agent bait list. Um, my boss, Frankie Saravalli over at Daily Faceoff, uh, talked about Blake Wheeler, the captain for the mm-hmm. Winnipeg Jets being available. <laughs> so it'll be interesting because I think, I think that Winnipeg would like to make a, make it some changes. Um, but hey, I mean, you're talking about trading a captain, which has obviously been done before. You know, Ryan Callan from Marty St. Louis, and then I think we had one more recently. Um, but I don't know. I don't think a captain trade happens. I think moving Jack Wheeler Eichel specifically. Was the other yeah, yeah. Sorry, Jack Eichel. Yeah. So there you go. But I think the most recent. Um, sorry, not the most recent. I think what you know in terms of a, like a Blake Wheeler trade and how they would move him is it's really hard because of his cap head. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know from what I have heard is Minnesota's apparently interested, but they were also interested back around the deadline. They had apparently talked to them about them. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, back to the WHL, just in terms of trades, obviously we just discussed those two. Um, Kamloops obviously is a team that is going to look to maybe bolster up Well, not maybe, but they will. Um, and then obviously Seattle. And I think Seattle really, you know, we talked about it already, but I think they really make a couple more moves to just to set themselves in stone 
and make sure that they'll be able to take the West division at most and battle for the West because there's a number of teams in the West that are going to be good next year, which, you know, Everett's another one. Um, and then Kamloops and, you know, I think Prince George might have a little chance there. Uh, it, it, it's going to be, we've talked about it before, but it's going to be a, an interesting off season because I think the off season is really going to set the tone for how the season's going to, you know, go mm. next year. Regina is another one, like we've mentioned with Connor Bedard yeah. and stuff. Right? Yeah. And then on the East there, yeah. obviously, you know, with what they, you know, with what Regina came out and said that they want to, you know, they want to build a team, a championship team around Bedard. Um, and they only have them for this year. Like they only mm. have them for one more season. Yeah. So they, they, I, I'd go all in, try to see what you can do. <laughs> yeah, you may as well. I mean, you got to capitalize on a franchise um, generational player uh, of that talent. So I think, uh, you know, they're the team to keep an eye on. And, you know, um, Edmonton is going to be a team that like we talked about here at the top of the show, it's really going to depend on who comes back because if Cosa goes to um, Grand Rapids and Prokop ends up in the American League and Gooley ends up in the American League, I think they sell. I think yeah. they try to offload a lot of talent and they take what they can. Um, I think some guys get distributed out to Kamloops, Kelowna, um, you know, Seattle, Vancouver. I don't know if they deal guys out east necessarily but you know, they obviously can um i don't think the whl really has that you know where the nhl is more like oh we don't like to trade within divisions and do all that i think the whl is a little more lenient when it comes to it yeah i so too they don't really care too too much obviously you wouldn't want to trade connor bedard you know up to saskatoon or anything no. like that <laughs> but i think they're a little more in, in terms of players they're a little more lenient because you look at Keenan gooley moving from prince albert to edmonton so mm -hmm. and they're the same division so um and speaking of the edmonton oil kings i guess they're just to finish off some uh news around the league uh little fun fact um sebastian Cosa. so i, I could have brought this up earlier um he had five playoff shutouts uh en route to the memorial cup so pretty dominating performance yeah that's that is that is a dominating performance so, so i mean they had the least, the Oil Kings had the least amount of goals for out of all the respective teams in the Memorial Cup as well. Uh, hmm. Goals against. Goals for? Goals against, yeah. Goals, goals against. against. Yeah, goals against. I'm like. Yeah, yeah. The, the goals for would have been terrible. I don't know why I would have said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, goals against. So, so my bad. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like we talked about, um, I mentioned obviously there, Kim Kosa play at that compete at that elite level during you know critical games and uh the playoffs obviously is what a lot of people look at as a critical time um and for him to step up during that time obviously has been good uh hopefully last night was a bump in the road um and we'll obviously see what they can do moving forward yeah it's like i say this this restless more cups gonna be interesting to see um what will happen and then of course the off season so it's gonna be exciting yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody, that does it for our segment. Uh, we got Dayton Reimer joining the show here shortly. Uh, so 
You guys can obviously check out all of our links down below uh, to my work with Daily Faceoff of the Nation Network and Matthew's work with the Hockey Writers. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Western Centric and Instagram at Western Centric. Hit us up on YouTube as well at Western Centric. Uh, and you can send us an email if you please as well. If you've got any questions or comments or concerns, westerncentricpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode and enjoy this next little bit with Dayton. Stuff. All right, next up, please welcome to the show Dayton Reimer. Dayton covers the Ottawa Senators, the World Juniors, and the NHL draft for the hockey writers. Uh, we are going to be going through his top 10 list, as I said at the top of the show. Um, we're not exactly going to go through the list, though. We're just going to we're going to talk about certain players. And I want to start it off with, uh, you know, some Camelot Blazers guys. Uh, so Fraser Minton and Matt Lindgren, and you have them ranked on your little top 10 list here, 10th and 7th, respectfully. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Minton. You know, what do you think about his game developing into an NHL level? And if you were an NHL GM, where would you select him? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I like Minton's chances to become uh, an NHLer. He's, he's got a pretty um, good package. He seems to be doing most of the things well. Um, I mean, he's not flashy or anything. He's kind of like those, one of those workhorses, uh, you know, anchoring the second line in Kamloops there. Um, pretty valuable in, in any situation. I think I'd look at maybe a third round pick. Second round seems a little high just because of all the potential that could be there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, I, I think a, a third round pick is, is more than fair for a guy like that. I think he projects to make the lineup you know, maybe in a, in like a bottom, bottom six role, but yeah, no, he's, he's a, he's a lot of fun. I think he'll have a good future. Yeah. And I, I like what you said there in your, um, your write up about him that, you know, he's one of the youngest players in the draft class, which, you know, giving him the time to add strength and, you know, boost his offense. So it's, he becomes a very valuable player in that asset, I think. Um, and another guy, obviously that I want to talk about is, Matt Lindgren, who I think is one of the better skaters in the WHL draft or the WHL draft, the <laughs> NHL draft. Um, but, you know, obviously with a guy like Kevin Korczynski and Simone Nemitz and the other guys that are available, um, there are better skaters. So my bias is kind of thrown out the window there. Um, in terms of Lindgren, though, you know, you pretty much nail the dot there with you know he carries the puck um carries the puck up the ice quickly he evades almost any opponent and just has great hockey knowledge and sense do you think he's somebody that a team would take a chance on early in the second round or is he somebody that becomes more of a project yeah i think he's more than um a second round pick uh or more than <laughs> let me try that again um more than a fair bet to be a, an early second round pick he's got a lot of potential uh, yeah, like yeah. you mentioned um great skater uh he's right in that vein of those new dynamic puck carrying uh, push the play type of defenseman i mean he's no kale mccarr but that's kind of who he's emulating um yeah, yeah. yeah uh, i think i covered a guy last year carson coolman's very similar um they're you know they drive the play as much as they can um there is a bit of a divide though so i don't know where he's gonna end up uh because there's that question on his defense um 
I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal, especially with his skating. Like he can probably learn to do that. So early second round, um, I don't think he's much of a first round consideration anymore, but you never know. I like that. I think I, you know, when it comes to his defensive tendencies and even, you know, the games that I did watch um, here in Kamloops. Yeah. There was definitely uh, a concern. I could say uh, just in terms of him not having that whole reliability back there. But I think, you know, with his skating and him being young and just over the last couple of seasons, he's really developed uh, quickly. I think it's something he can work on as you kind of mentioned there. And I think it'll outweigh um, it's not really more of a, it's more of a, it's not a risk, I guess is kind of what I'm saying. There's more reward coming out of him than there is a risk. Oh yeah, for sure. I think I'd agree with that completely. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, going from Kamloops to Seattle, uh, they well, they made it to the WHL final, almost the Memorial Cup. You got three guys on this list um, from that team. Uh, you know, Reed Schaefer, Kevin Korczynski, and uh, man, I just lost the last guy. Who was the last guy? Jordan Gustafson. Jordan Gustafson. There we go. Um, those three. I mean, I want to talk to you specifically about Reed Schaefer first. Um, you know, he's been a guy that he was really good in the playoffs for Seattle. Um, been a guy that's been more, you know, in the spotlight a little bit more lately. Um, where do you, where do you think his ceiling could be uh, and where he could potentially be drafted in this, uh, this draft? Oh man. Um, yeah, his ceiling is, it's kind of, I think weird to predict right now. Yeah. Um, because he had such a big playoffs. He was, probably one of the hottest players of anyone um, and didn't really match up with his season. I mean, he had a, a perfectly fine season, um, but what was it? And uh, NHL central scouting rated him a C prospect in their preliminary rankings. And then Craig button comes out and says he could be a first round pick. Like that's a yeah. huge jump. Um, I, I don't know, maybe a second round or a second line player but I would may I would be more comfortable saying that he is a, a third round. Oh my goodness. I can't speak today. <laughs> uh, a third line player um, who can chip in and add a lot of those uh, secondary points, which I mean, everyone needs, you can't just put it all on first lines. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think he has the potential to, to really take whatever he, he can it's just whether he'll get the opportunities, whether he'll keep uh, kind of grabbing on to that or keeping up that pace, I should say. Mm -hmm. It's um, a, yeah, a, a tricky pace to, to follow. So if he can do it next year, sky's the limit. For I sure. Don't yeah, know if he can. Um, <laughs> do you think he's a first round pick or, or is that a little high? I think that might be a little generous. Like he had a great playoffs. So don't get me wrong. I think he should be rewarded for that. I'd put him close to where Mats Lindgren is though. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of potential. There's also some question marks and I'd like to see a bit more as they grow and they get older um, to see what their full potential is. And so if I was a, an NHL GM, I'd be more comfortable doing a second round pick, but I mean, grabbing him within the first five, 10 picks of the second hmm. round, I don't think that's, that's crazy at all. No, I see, I probably see him around there too. So, I mean, but yeah, he had a ridiculous playoffs and I think that's what's right. made him uh, more on everyone's radar as being that higher end pick. So we'll see where he goes. Um, another guy though, that will go high is Kevin Korchinski. Uh, and he had a, 
Like there have been things about him in the playoffs that he struggled uh, defensively. Do you think he drops from where he, you, you know, he was rising up, but do those defensive issues, has that dropped him a bit now? Or do you think he's still a, a top 10, top 15 pick? Oh, I think he's for sure going in the top 15. Um, there is seems to be a lot of hype around him in the in the sources that I've read. Uh, like, I think there was some even suggesting the Senators could grab him at seventh, mm. which I'm not a huge fan of. I think they have that player already in their system. Um, but there is a lot of hype for sure. He's got that um, dynamic offensive ability. And I think there's enough teams in the NHL who will overlook the defensive issues to take him probably in that 10 to 15 range. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Top 10, I think would be a bit of a stretch and maybe not the smartest play. Like you mentioned, there was some defensive liability issues um, and uh, teams seem to be looking more at like guys who are more well-rounded, like a, a Simon Yemich or a David Yurasek to to grab in that coveted kind of top end yeah i definitely agree the thing is korchinski is also what is a left-hand shot too right mm-hmm. so i mean you've got the two right-handers at the top i mean those guys are definitely going ahead of him um so i mean i, I definitely agree i think he does go in that top 15 range top 10 could be a little bit high but i mean he's he's solidified mm-hmm himself as that top 15 because of his regular season and yeah defensive issues aside I mean the thing is that can be taught that can be cleaned up so I mean but he's just such a good all-around defenseman I think he's going to end up being a really good top four guy in the NHL so um, you know whoever picks him is going to get a good defenseman there definitely yeah 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 when you compare him to Denton Matejchuk who would you take Matejchuk or Krachinsky Ooh, that's a I great know that's question. a loaded question. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> a hard one, but like, it's a fun you, one have to, you know, I think both of them have that, you know, Matejchuk's a little smaller and, you know, Sam Constantino was the guy who said, you know, size, not an issue. And a couple other people have came out and said that they're not worried about it. I, yeah. I just really wonder if Matejchuk is going to have the higher ceiling than Korchinski. Personally, I would go for Matejchuk first. Uh, I think he does have the higher ceiling. I think he has a bit more of a well-rounded game and his offensive side is more developed. Um, Like I wrote in the article, it's over 70% of his points were primary points, which is nuts. Yeah. Yeah. He is generating offense like no one else. And he was, I think, a big reason why the Warriors were as strong as they were this year. I mean, they also had a lot of other players, but I, I mean, coming in, I don't, think i was prepared for them to do as well as they did and maybe that's I, I agree attention <laughs> i think you know and in, in him being 511 um i can't remember where i read it but his brother is like 6'1 or 6'2 so there, there's like still a chance that he can put on that height and size yeah. like I, I guess at 17 it's a little bit far-fetched but there's a possibility i guess that that's still there um you know you look at you 64 points in 65 games and you know his first full season it's remarkable what he's been able to do and especially on a team that um what had some talent on it too right and for him to stick out uh, among those guys like damon hunt and it, mm-hmm. it's it's i'm excited to see what he can do because i really think he is the overall better defenseman 
Yeah, I think um, people are going to sleep on him a little bit because he is that five foot 11, but yeah, there's, they're going to regret it hundred uh, percent. I could see him slipping down to maybe like top 20, which yeah, that that happens and it's it's stupid <laughs> yeah absolutely better not if the canucks have a chance to get him be i know <laughs> there's there's too many like he projects to be i don't think i'm crazy in saying that he could be like quinn hughes-esque um he has that sort of dominant game-changing ability um maybe not to the highest level that hughes is but he can command the the back end and and really you know, drive those possession numbers and those and those primary points and just be a huge force in every aspect. And I I think he's gonna slip. Hmm. Which yeah. Yeah. Sizes uh, sizes. I don't know how many times I've said this. The, the undersized <laughs> thing. Like, come on. <laughs> well, let's just switch it quickly here. And Matthew, we'll we'll go along to who I know who you want to talk about. But let's talk about a guy who's a bit bigger, uh, Owen Pickering. So six five, bit of a bigger guy, but he's got that mobility, which at six five, most of those guys don't have it. And he is incredibly mobile and somebody who really made a strong case to be a first rounder after the combine um, through everything I've read. Uh, what do you make out of Owen Pickering's game? Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, he is a bigger guy. And I think a lot of people do like that. He's big. There is still that size bias. And like you said, Matthew, it's, it's how many times have we mentioned that size isn't everything you can be small and you can be good. And NHL GMs and scouts still seem to think, no, if you're six foot four, then you're better. No, it's not the case. However, I think Pickering does have a lot of skills. And I was surprised when I started looking into his game. Um, he's a pretty decent skater, not on the, the level of, I think, uh, like a Korchinski or a Matej Chuck, but still good. Um, nothing to, to I guess, uh, criticize, really. Uh, he can command the offense a little bit he doesn't have that offensive skill that the other two do but he's demonstrated a little bit and I think the big thing that hurt him this year is he was playing on just an awful swift current team mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they have really fallen off since they won the uh the WHL championship what was that three four years ago yeah yeah something like that and yeah he did what he could um I think he should have a better season next year. Um, still probably a first round pick. I don't like him quite as much as the other guys, but again, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go above them. Yeah. And just because of the, the, the size bias, that's, that's yeah. really it, I guess. Yeah. Eh? Like I guess the only reason I see a team taking an early shot at him in like the top 15 is because they see a six foot five defenseman who is somewhat mobile, mm -hmm. but I, I agree, though. I do think that uh, he is at a little bit at the back of the pack in terms of the other defenders available. Um, but it, it's like you say here, though, he's very raw and it's going to be uh, it'll be an interesting story to follow. Definitely. Yeah. If, if Swift Current can make some strides next year, I think we see a lot of growth from him. If he doesn't, then it might just take him a little bit longer to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, and well, now I want to talk about another undersized guy <laughs> in Jagger Furcus. I mean, he has just come out I've, since that prospects um, game. 
my gosh, he just keeps rising up the charts and you've got him at sixth. Um, I think that's a little low for me. I think he'd be above Pickering for me for if I was doing this list, but I mean, that that's, uh, that's my opinion. Um, Fergus is just a guy that I, we were talking her before recording here and saying about that Fergus is like a Tampa Bay lightning type pick. A guy that they pick, they choose, and then he becomes a big name player um, for them down the line. They seem to have a lot of those. Um, what do you what do you make of Fergus's game? And um, you know, again, undersized, but I think he's going to be really good uh, when when he does hit the NHL. Yeah, Fergus has been great. Um, just a lot of point production, like you said, such a Tampa pick. Because um, <laughs> I see a lot of Braden Point in him. Uh, yeah. Just a guy oh, yeah. who can really get out there and size. I mean, yeah, sure, he's smaller, but it doesn't matter because he's quick. He can carry the puck better than anyone. He's, yeah, I mean, that's a little bit of a an exaggeration, but he's still <laughs> really good. Um, and he's getting better every single season. Um, the reason I have him below Pickering is... I kind of tried to base my rankings on what others were saying as well. Mm -hmm. So I tried to do a bit of a a compilation and Mm -hmm. see where everyone was uh, slated. Otherwise I was going to try to include way too many guys. (laughs) Um, Cause there's a lot of interesting guys in in WHL this year. Oh yeah. So I did put him six. Uh, I would take him before Pickering. Um, I don't think he will go before Pickering. In fact, I don't want to be controversial here, but he might slip to the second round. Mm. I could see him as being a big faller, just like Braden Point. Um, Braden Point yeah, had yeah. some, uh, what, was there some injury issues that kind of kept him off a lot of radar? If I, if I recall correctly, yeah, it was injury-related issues. Mm-hmm. Tampa grabs in the third round. He's one yeah. of their best players. Yeah. <laughs> no one's going to do that. Um, a little guy falls every single year, and every single year someone gets a really good little guy. Oh, Logan Stankoven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What a player, eh? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's been phenomenal. He's one of my, he's probably my favorite player in the WHL. I mean, just what he's been able to do. And um, yeah, not to go off topic, but just, you know, that's just the perfect example right away. Like a guy who should have been a first rounder last year and wasn't because he's five foot eight. Yeah. And it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I just hope that they give him the opportunities after he's picked because mm. that is another thing that happens as well. Yep. But no, Fergus, he has got a great potential. I really want to see him succeed. Um, I would take him top 15. I don't think he will be, though. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think so, too. And um, But I do really see Tampa Bay picking him. And and being that they're going to probably be, I, well, they're going to be 20, 31 or 32 um, mm-hmm. from what, if I'm not, if I'm saying someone doesn't have their pick, right? So this is where I say I have to look back. Who they has have their pick. own? They have their own pick this year. Yeah, because they right. traded. They traded a for the Hagel deal. They traded next year's first. Right. Okay. So they do have their pick this year. So I mean, yeah. he, they could potentially pick him, uh, yeah. and they, they just seem like he just seems like I could see him in a Lightning jersey. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good pick by them. Kind of almost reminds me of like a, a last minute uh, Weisblatt. Weisblatt. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ozzy Weisblatt. Yeah. 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 We didn't, no one really saw him going in the first. I mean, Fergus has got um, quite a bit more skill than him, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just comes out, grabs it right at the end. Yeah. San Jose, oh, I believe. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I could see Tampa doing that if they end up with uh, just right at the end there. 
I want to ask you about one guy who, and I know this is not WHL related, and but we're going to go off topic for a quick second, but he's undersized, and I have to ask you about him, but Lane Hudson. Okay. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think that there's a possibility somebody takes him in the first round because of how skilled he is? But, I mean, obviously there's that height issue that people are pointing at. Like, what, what do you make of him if you've had a chance to watch his game, and where do you, where do you put him at? I haven't been able to watch him too much. Um, I've done a little bit of reading research on him uh, just to make sure I'm, you know, paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a lot of fun. Um, lots of points. And uh, is it USA, uh, the USHL? Yeah. Yeah. I could see someone grabbing him near the end. Um, probably ends up as a second rounder, but yeah, he's just one of those kind of like Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr mm. type of guys who, can control the play from the blue line and gives mm-hmm. you a, a fourth forward. And that's, I mean, we're watching Colorado be one of those teams that has four forwards on you all the time. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like it's, well, it works really well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll take absolutely. The finals. I wonder, I mean, Camel Carr is not a big guy. What is he? Six, one, six foot six foot i do believe yeah yeah i believe so yeah he's under 511 i thought he's under six i was wondering i couldn't remember he's where the internet okay he is 511 yeah so yeah undersized guy not quite um lane hudson undersized but just can take a hit he can get around guys he can carry the puck he yeah um i could see someone grabbing him quickly uh, mm-hmm. right at the end of the first round because just the potential of having one of those guys on your blue line is yeah it might be too good to pass out <laughs> I yeah, really like yeah yeah we're, we're big fans of him and that's just kind of i know he's not whl related at all but we were just on the topic of undersized players and defensemen and i just wanted to ask him uh ask you about him there uh just we will talk about one or two more players here and then we will let you go uh Matthew Savoy, you have him ranked number one. Do you believe that Savoy, like, is he, do you think he's like a top five pick in here in the NHL draft top three? Where, where do you, where do you put him? If you're an NHL GM, do you take him in the top five? Ooh, that's tricky. Um, I think he has the skill to potentially be top five. I don't know if anyone takes him top five because mm-hmm. you've kind of got those locked down right now. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he would basically be replacing one of those, super good defenseman um in your or Nemec to yep. slide into the top five i don't see that happening it seems like those guys are going to go probably four and five um if someone does sneak him out it might be more of a a riskier pick um i don't know if savoy gets in there unfortunately because he's really good he yeah. is yeah highest um point total of a first year eligible player with uh, 90 and 65 games, great speed, super dangerous when he's got the puck. Um, yeah. And people are questioning whether he makes the NHL cause he's little and <laughs> like it's undersizing and yeah, <laughs> he's got the skill. He's going to do it, but everyone's a little, well, not everyone, but there's some who are a little hesitant. And what That's was fair, it? Though. I saw a yeah. list where he was like, he was bottom of the first round and I couldn't oh, believe it. Like, are you kidding? <laughs> no, I, I don't think that that's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
I don't think he falls out of the, I don't even know if he falls out of the top 10. I would really hope not. He has no. the skill to be a, a first line guy. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. If, if he drops to where I think it was button that has him in the, like the 20 that makes sense. He likes the big guys. Yeah. He has final rankings had him like in the twenties or something insane. And Frank Nazar down there too. Like it, I don't know. And, and this is, again, if he drops around the 15 and the Canucks can look at him, I don't care if the Canucks need a defenseman, you draft him. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. If he falls out of the top 10, grab him immediately. <laughs> yeah. And, and now, I mean, talking about not so uh, small is a uh, Connor geeky this is the mm-hmm. last guy I want to talk to you about, because the thing is geeky's a, he's been a little bit of a polarizing guy. He's been all over the place. I have him dropping off. Um, what do you think about Geeky? Um, a lot of people have his problems or his bit of his skating, but he's a big guy. And they're again about size, kind of usurping things. Where do you think he goes uh, in this draft? That's a great question again. Um, yeah, like he does have the offensive skills. His skating isn't fantastic. Uh, I've read some stuff where some people weren't as critical of him. Um, so I think there might be a bit of leniency when it comes to how much he's worked on it. Um, He's also mentioned too, that he has put in the effort to try to improve Mm -hmm. that, which is great to hear. He knows that it's a weakness and he wants to get better. Um, Oh, there was uh, a comment I saw on one of my articles for Cutter. Is it Goche? Goche, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Uh, Let's see if I can pull that up here. I'm a big fan of Cutter Goche. I think he's- Goche, yeah. He's good. I think he's going to be a really good- you know, top six guy. But yeah, someone compared him to um, a big guy that, oh, Logan Brown, that the Senators mm-hmm. picked, where he had maybe some skating issues, but he had a lot of offensive potential. And of course, we now know that Brown was a bit of a bust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is unfortunate because they really heralded him as the next guy. Yeah. So maybe I see Geeky a little bit like that as long as they're a bit more careful in his development and give him the time to, to figure out that skating and put him in positions where he can succeed. Um, I think he has the ability to be a top six guy. I don't know if he can keep up on the first line though. Mm. Might be more of a second line guy, um, but people like his size. So he's going to go a little higher. Yeah. Um, I, I want to say top 15. I think he might slide out of the top 10. Um, I think there could be an argument that he's benefited from playing with Savoy. Savoy mm-hmm. would be kind of the play driver there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does model his game after Dreisaitl, though, so that's... <laughs> that's, that's a good um, player. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's a, that's a big guy who, you know, dominates the play. I think Dreisaitl's a much better skater, though. Is, yeah. Is the, so, yeah. A bit of a project in Geeky. Uh, so I would take that into account when I'm picking him. I don't let him slide too much, though. He's he's got a ton of skill and I don't know, he's, he's going to be good. He's just got to figure out a couple of little issues and he could really be good. Well, look at Bo Horvat when he was drafted ninth overall. And I was saying that ah, ceilings, a third line center. Um, well, he's probably more second line center now, but yeah, he's, he's not just a checker <laughs> and he's a pretty good skater now. So you never know. Yeah, it just takes time, right? Those skills are just, it's a lot of practice and a lot of fine tuning and getting those those fine elements down pat. And Geeky doesn't have them yet, but he could. Yeah. So maybe like a 10 to 15 pick. 
I like him there. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And um, it's a great list. And like I said, WHL has a lot of interesting guys this year. And it's going to be interesting to see where they all kind of slot in. So um, thanks, Dayton, for, for coming on the show and uh, giving me your insight. I uh, always love talking to uh, especially from, you know, where, where I work. So, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun guys. Yeah, of course, man. We appreciate it. Um, it was great to run through that list with you. You betcha. Anytime I will talk prospects or WHL <laughs> with you guys. Right on. Hi, I'm Daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter. It's innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.